So if you've heard, today we begin a series of services and sermons that focus on a different kind of currency. No, not Bitcoin, not cryptocurrency. I'd be out of my depth very quickly. I came across this term sacred currency in a recent workshop led by Everence. It wasn't really expanded on that much, but it caught my imagination and I kind of ran with it. The writer was referring to time and money as sacred currencies. To me, it made a lot of sense from a stewardship standpoint. And keep in mind, stewardship is a broad and crucial central theological theme. It's not at all confined to personal money management or personal time management. It's, that's only a small part of the picture. In fact, if any theological affirmation grounds us in who we are in relation to God and who God is in relation to us, it is that we are God's stewards. Stewardship starts in the first chapter of Genesis and continues almost nonstop to Revelation. In this series, we will, in fact, narrow our focus a bit to time and money as particular sacred currencies that we steward. But this bigger picture will always be in the backdrop, whether time, money, talents, or the natural world, everything under the sun belongs to God. God is creator and ongoing owner. We are graced with these things by God in order to care for them on God's behalf. It's up to us to relate to them in a manner that honors the owner. And the main point for today is that the owner trusts us to do that. God trusts us. Just think about that big idea for a while and see where it takes you. God trusts us to care for the things God cares about most. The well-being and shalom and reconciliation of all creation. That makes us God's stewards or God's trustees. Now, the role of a trustee is generally quite clear. A trustee has remarkable power and has distinct limits. Trustees are given the authority and the resources to act on behalf of the owner to carry out the wishes and priorities and mission of the owner. But trustees don't invent that mission. The owner has already defined the mission and relies on trustees to implement it. It's true whether you are appointed a trustee for a person or for a church, for a foundation, for a university, for just about anything. As trustees, we're all we are given all the power and resources we need to carry out the wishes of the ones who appointed us. 
Otherwise, they wouldn't have appointed us. If we could only grasp that one principle, it would define this arrangement that we have with God and with the world we live in and with our money and time and talents and what a difference it would make. I don't have to decide my life mission. You don't have to decide your life mission. The God who gave us life and called us beloved already decided that. It's up to us now to measure our decisions and actions against that larger purpose and see if they're aligned. Trusteeship is not a burden. It's a gift. And the gift of being God's trustees is so great, so astoundingly generous, that it should amaze us all and make us bow in joy and gratitude. Jesus told a story to illustrate just how generous this gift is. And that's the parable of the talents from Matthew 25 that we just heard. Quick summary. Master goes away on a trip, calls three of his slaves to care for things while he's gone. One faithful slave is given five talents of gold, an astounding amount of wealth. And he invests it well, doubles on the investment, returns it to his master, gets a reward. Second servant gets two talents, still astounding wealth, and he doubles it, returns it, gets his reward. The third servant gets one talent, still astounding. But servant number three is short-sighted and self-centered. He buries it. Master comes home. Servant returns the talent exactly as he got it, saying to his master, I didn't trust you. And the servant is taken to task and pays the price. Okay, what do we see there? First off, this is not a story about investment. Preachers like to make this a moral lesson about managing our resources wisely. That might be a very good lesson to teach, but it's totally off topic for this parable. It's, this is not about money management. This is about trust or lack thereof. And it's a powerful, over-the-top metaphor of our relationship with God. You realize it's a wild metaphor and not a realistic life lesson as soon as you do the math. You mathematicians or economists, one talent was equal to about 15 years wages for the average paid worker. And these were not workers, they were slaves. Servants legally and financially bound to that man. And one of them got five talents, a lifetime of average earnings. It's a nonsense scenario because it's not trying to make sense. It's a metaphor for something else. 
In today's economy, if $15 an hour, say, is a base living wage, five talents would be about two and a half million dollars. This is the kind of trust the master exhibited to not his firstborn heir to the estate, but to one of his servants. Now, knowing those outlandish numbers keeps us from misinterpreting this parable. Back when I thought that this was a story about money management, I felt kind of sorry for that third servant. He only got a fifth of what his fellow servant got. Maybe he didn't have enough to generate the kind of return that the five talents would have given him. But that's simply not the case. Because the story is not about return on investment. It's about what we do with someone else's trust. The profound trust that the owner of this estate placed in even his third most trustworthy slave is beyond belief. This number three slave had just been shown the kind of trust that certainly no one else in his lifetime had ever given him. He had been given a half million dollars by his owner, by his master, and he had the audacity to turn around and accuse his master of being harsh and the half million not even worth drawing interest. It's nonsense, again, because it's a metaphor. The offense of slave number three is not that he mismanaged the wealth. The offense was his mean-spirited violation of the profound trust that he had just been given. His accusation against his master rings hollow. It's simply unbelievable that a harsh and self-serving taskmaster would entrust such wealth to his slaves. So just on the face of this metaphorical story, we can't just let the serv- that third servant off the hook. He didn't just make a mistake. He, a trustee, spat in the face of the one who trusted him. And for that, he paid a steep price. And God has entrusted us with much more than we deserve. A half million is nothing compared to the treasure our creator entrusted us with and entrusted all God's people with. God's lavish trust in us started in Genesis. God created us humans and placed in us God's own divine image. Imagine that. And divine breath. And then said, I trust you to take care of everything I just made. Tend it with the same love and care that I have for it. That's the deal that God still has with us humans. God trusts us. 
We can accept that as the amazing gift it is, or we can ignore it. Or we can outright violate it. And God will still love us. But when we violate that trust, when we as trustees spit in the face of the owner, we will also pay the price. And we actually see examples of that everywhere we look around the world. We are all paying the price today, for example, for our violation of the trust God placed in us to care lovingly for creation. We're paying the price for violating God's trust in us to cultivate shalom in all our private and public relationships with each other. We're paying the price for not doing that. But the good news is that the same generous character of God that prompted God to trust us with so much at the start is still present when we turn to God in repentance and own up to our failures. God is also generous with forgiveness. After all the ways that we have violated God's trust in us, God still trusts us. God is not ready to give up on us. There's always another opportunity to live in a manner worthy of God's astounding trust in us. So join me, please, in a prayer of confession found in your bulletin. For the, men, for the times that we betray the trust you place in us, God, forgive and heal us. For the times we deny our calling and think we own that which you place in our trust, God, forgive and heal us. For the times we simply fail to understand your trust in us and miss out on the great joy and deep rest you intend for us, God, forgive and heal us. After all that, God still trusts in us and forgives and heals. Thanks be to God.